to Modern Figures Podcast, hosted by Dr. Jeremy Waysom and Dr. Kyla McMullen, where we are elevating the voices of Black women in computing to inspire the next generation of the advanced technology workforce. This podcast exists to highlight the stories of Black women in computing, to inspire high schoolers and the young at heart, and to dispel the myths and preconceptions about Black women in computing. This podcast wouldn't be possible without our sponsors. This season is generously supported by NCWIT and CRAWP. The National Center for Women and Information Technology, or NCWIT, is a nonprofit community that convenes, equips, and unites change leader organizations to increase the influential and meaningful participation of girls and women in technology. And the Computing Research Association's Committee on Widening Participation in Computing, or CRAWP, endeavors to increase the success and participation of underrepresented groups in computing research and education at all levels. Hello, everyone. Today, we have an extra special guest here on Modern Figures Podcast, us. <laughs> we are the guests today. So we are going to do an episode where we talk to you a bit about academia. But before we do, um, if this is your first time listening to us, we're just going to give you a quick introduction of who we are, just so you have some context. So my name is Dr. Kyla McMullen, and I'm from Washington, D.C. Um, I have a a PhD in computer science and my undergraduate and graduate degrees are all in computer science. Undergrad is from the University of Maryland, Baltimore County, and then grad and PhD are from the University of Michigan. And I happen to be the first, and I think right now the only woman of color to get a PhD from that program. Um, I am a faculty member at a Southern Research One University, and I have a research lab where we look at 3D audio, augmented reality, virtual reality, reality, looking at ways that we can just really enhance the immersive experience in those areas. My interests, I really love dance. I love the arts. I love theater. I like to cook. Lots of things. I like going to the beach. Basically, lots of extroverted outside doing stuff with people things. Aw, that's cute. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. Um, Well, I'm Jeremy Waysom, and I am originally from Orlando, Florida, and let's see, my degrees are all from the University of Florida in civil engineering. So I did a bachelor's degree, a master's degree, and a PhD um, in that discipline. And with my PhD research, I was an experimentalist. I focused on really understanding at the materials level, what was going on in asphalt pavement, which is very specific and not necessarily the world's most transferable skill. But after I, um, I guess towards the end of my PhD, I realized that I wasn't really super passionate about what I was doing. And I also didn't feel like I belonged in that research space. Um, and I've been looking into engineering education as like an alternative um, disciplinary pursuit that I might um, pursue just based on the things that I was doing outside of the classroom and outside of my research at the time. So I fell in love with that discipline, the community there, and um, got the opportunity to do a postdoctoral position. So like after my Ph.D., I did more training um, and this time it was in computer science. So that's how I got connected to the land of computer science, (laughs) what I like to refer to it as. Um, (laughs) um, And then uh, while I was there, I just kind of narrowed my scope of like what I was interested in because I really had a lot of time to devote to figuring myself out and like where I saw myself. And I, I just knew like the mentoring research space was it for me. Everyone I'd ever met in that research area was just incredible. And the work that they were doing is inspiring. And so I wanted to be like them. So I took a position as an instructional assistant professor at the same university as Kyla and got it. 
and I've been there for a couple of years now and my job might change. It's changing. <laughs> my job might change in the next few months. We'll see. But um, I'm really excited that I get to work with people like Kyla um, on really changing what what the climate is and, and the experiences are for students who look like we do. And let's see, my interests are bacon. <laughs> bacon is life. Uh, if I don't mention that, I think people will hold me accountable because that's literally all I talk about. Um, I don't have a lot of free time because I am the mom of a toddler and she's like a very smart toddler and it's terrifying, but also like very time consuming. So kind of my whole life outside of work right now is her. Um, and it's been a blast. Um, yeah. You mm-hmm. forgot the violin. I'm looking at it and I almost said it. It's right here. Like, hold on. Give me a second for those of you oh, who can see me. Back. Are you going to play something? No, I'm not going to play anything. It's out of tune. It literally oh. has dust. It has Ooh. dust on it. This is my electric violin, courtesy of my you brother. Are watching, Jeremy yeah. is showing us a really cool. Let's see how out of tune it is. It's not that mm, bad, actually. Bad. But it could be way worse. So, yeah. Violin right there. But yeah, I I haven't played Kyla in like months we need to fix that we definitely need to fix that i think it has to be a summer activity or something <laughs> maybe because you did a lot in the summer with it I so know. yeah maybe when the university stuff isn't going on you know you have more time for that i just need peace i need like a little bit more stability so we'll see <laughs> we'll see more to come yeah um so this episode is really focused on giving our listeners a peek into our what we're just talking about our lives as academics um and it's something that we've been talking about for a while is like how do we ensure that people understand what this thing called academia is like we we mention it often a lot of our guests are people who have positions at universities or colleges so we want to kind of peel back that curtain and give you a, a window into what it looks like um, for us. And yeah. Yeah. We definitely like, cause I had no idea what in the world academia was like, I had an idea and I thought I knew everything. <laughs> and, you know, when I was an undergrad, but being on the other side of the table, it's not anything anyone could imagine at times it could be a reality show. Like it's, <laughs> it's a whole lot, but you don't know the dynamics of universities and how things work. So um, this is a series cause there's no way on the planet that we could address every single aspect of academia here. So we're calling mm-hmm. this young gifted and black academic. So, you know, this will be part one of a series t-shirts that come too. if you didn't know we have a store and we have merchandise that is really cool. Mm-hmm. So um, I'll make sure this is like prominent on the website. We'll make a shirt that says Young, Gifted, and Black Academic. But um, we have a series of just sort of topics that we want to discuss, like fit in academia, all, everything from do I even want to be here to mm. how, what do I do to get tenure? So there is a whole ride that we're going to take you through in this series. I'm really, really excited about it. People ask us all the time for advice and things like that. So this can be like a one-stop shop for like mentorship and what we think about this. Yeah. Cause I have thoughts. Oh yeah. Um, we have all the thoughts and opinions. And, and I think like the more important thing is like helping people understand the language too. So you know, if you're a high schooler or you're in middle school and you're like, oh, yeah, there are people who work at universities and teach people. Um, we can talk about what those jobs look like and how, how they vary. And, you know, just we don't really mm, explain that. Right. It's kind of like going to class and you have got teachers and like high school and stuff like that. And you don't really think about the fact that that's like a job that you could have. <laughs> Right. Um, it's the same thing. So I think most of us, even in college, didn't think like, I want to be a university professor. Or I like, like did that. That's why they went to college. That is not why I went to college. And 
I I still don't know how I ended up here. Like there were some points that I can bring up, <laughs> like how I got here, right. but it wasn't like a strategic plan of mine. And I'm a planner to get to this particular position. So yeah. Yeah. To me, if you had told me, you know, in high school, like, oh, you're going to be a professor, I would have been like, I'm going to school so I can go to more school. Like that would not have made sense to Absolutely me. Absolutely not. Because I was not the person who liked school, like at all. But I'm here and mm-hmm. I got a peek behind the curtain and I would love, we would both love to let people know what it's all about, what things are, you know, what things are looking like. Mm-hmm. So also, since we're giving you what we went through, our experiences, our opinions, your mileage may vary. Um, we are number one in engineering and computing. This may not apply to someone who's in a drastically different field like the humanities or social science, but maybe for somebody in like biology so or physical science. So your mileage may vary. We're also Black women. We experience the world differently than people of other demographics. So, uh, and also this is 2022 right now. So <laughs> hopefully there is not a need for this podcast in some years, you know, we're experiencing this at this time. And this is, this is our context for the information we're giving you. People may give you different experiences, different advice, but this is the lens through which we are giving you this information. So the first thing we're going to talk about is how exactly should someone decide if they want to be in academia or not? So it's more so like, how do you know you want to be a faculty member, a researcher, or even a graduate student? So like, where, how do you know? (laughs) (laughs) I literally just said this, like, I don't know. Um, So the, the way that I started thinking about it is I kind of like was connected to our dean's office at UF through some outreach programs that I I participated in when I was in Orlando as a high school student. So they used to come to my county and put on a countywide STEM program called Gator Tracks. My heart. Anyway, so I would go and I would help the facilitators um, provide like the instruction and support that they needed to teach the students who were in the program about the math and science behind a project that they would ultimately complete that, that Saturday morning. Um, And I got to meet our associate Dean for student affairs through that project. His name is Dr. Jonathan Earl. He's the person who convinced me to go to the university of Florida. And he did that by telling me I'd have a family there and I wouldn't just be like, a demographic checkbox, you know, for some school, like people would know me. He was a hundred percent correct in that. Um, and so I used to hang out there like so much so that people thought I worked there <laughs> and I'd be like, I don't work here, but I can tell you <laughs> X, tell you Y, and Z. Like, like, like I do work questions. here. <laughs> exactly. Um, and so just like seeing what he did was really kind of cool. I can't say that like I, put the dots like connected the dots and said like oh yeah I could be I could do this one day it was more so like this is life-changing work like people's lives are are affected by decisions that he gets to make and that's kind of cool like it's 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 in the positive way too like not like oh he gets to destroy people's hopes and dreams like yeah like some people do like that's literally their job is to tell you no um (laughs) so I I just had that window into what was going on and then I was like over the years other opportunities like hey there's a research experience that you can participate in as an undergraduate student are you interested in doing research and I'm like I don't know what that is but y'all are going to pay me to do it in the summer. (laughs) Sounds legit. So I did that (laughs) and I learned about what graduate school was through that process. And, you know, these are the achievements that you have to have. So I think that was an easy kind of inroads into the concept of going to graduate school and the types of jobs that I could have as a post PhD graduate, but I still, even at that point, didn't think 
it was the direction I was going to head in. Yeah, for me, I think it was completely different. Like coming out of high school, a lot of if you've listened to it, you know, I did not like school at all. Um, <laughs> but I knew school was a means to get a better job to get a high paying career. I knew I was interested in computer science. So um, and Jeremy, kind of like your story, when you were talking, I was like, it sounds like people decided for you. <laughs> this is what you were going to do. I'm telling you, <laughs> I didn't I they changed like, I had a faculty member confront me my senior year and just say, I know that you submitted a master's degree application. You need to change that. Wow. <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean? Like, right. Like I want to be a master of this though. So yeah. Like, I, I'm getting a I'm master's degree so that I can go be a consultant and travel the world and live my life. Yep. And he was like, but we need more of you. Wow. And I was like, what does that mean? And he literally went on this 30 minute tangent and I was like, look, if you can have somebody fund a PhD for me, I'll change my application. Yeah. Wow. And he did. He found someone. See, the money is there. They just, the, the people want to give you the money. They just mm -hmm. don't know the people. Well, I'm sorry. If you are talented, the money is there for you. Sometimes they just don't know who the people are that they can give the money to, but the money is always there. Mm -hmm. um, when I was in high school, similar kind of experience. I was sitting in math class and I got a call on the PA and they were, you know, come to the office. I'm like, I don't be getting in trouble. What is this? Mm. So they were like, hey, there's this scholarship program going on at University of Maryland, Baltimore County. You fit the profile. You should apply. I apply. And then they had like an information session where literally the people who ran the program came to my high school and we were all like in a room. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm in a room with all the top people in the class. Like I was smart, but I was never like valedictorian, salutatorian, but I was in the top, you know, just wasn't the top top. But mm -hmm. Um, they, and I'm like, oh yeah, this person's going to get this. They play 15 instruments and know all these languages and their parents are also professors. And like, there's all these people who I felt like had more. Pedigree. Where did you go to school? Prince George's <laughs> County. Oh, excuse me. I <laughs> but like, for me, I'm like, okay, my parents didn't go to college. I don't know nothing about this college experience, except my two cousins who, you know, were the first to go to college. Mm -hmm. And all I knew was just visiting them at Seton Hall. I don't know anything about class. I just know what the campus looks like. So, you know, I had no contacts and I'm like, oh, I'm not going to get this. There's so many of us in here who are applying for this, let alone the whole nation. So mm -hmm. surprise, surprise, I got into the program and and from the first day, we had like this bridge program and they tell you, I'm sorry, before even the bridge program, oh the selection gosh. weekend, they were telling you, you're going to get a PhD. And I'm like, oh. um, I'm like I'm that just is not what I thought you were going to yeah. say. I thought you were going to say, look to your left. No, no. You're right. No, you know what? <laughs> Dr. Bowski, who is about to retire um, as of this episode, he makes a point to say, look to your left, look to your right both of you are going to make it, you know, Aww. everybody's going to make it together. So he's like, that's not the kind of program I'm trying to run. This is not that kind of college. Um, so there is very much like a family oriented sort of system. So like even my parents, they felt comfortable with me going there because mm -hmm. they're like, okay, there are these people who are in place that are going mm -hmm. to be, you know, a family. Like I had community. That was the biggest part. And then someone told me you're getting a PhD. I'm like, I just left high school. How are you? <laughs> I don't even know what this is. I think I thought my PhD was going to be in web design because that's what I was interested in <laughs> at that point so academic life I had no idea what that was but um yeah let's get into like but then obviously we both finished did you did you do research <laughs> as an undergraduate student I did only I think one summer I did research so I did was research. it a real experience like doing research yeah it was it oh. was good it was as good as it could be because in the summers mm -hmm. <sighs> faculty are busy. So um, I was at Duke and it was really great. You know, I met people who I'm still friends with, you know, to this day. And um, I was in the computer science department there and I had this project with nanotechnology. I was working with Dr. Alvin Levy and I actually went back and, you know, he's still there and he remembered me and I'm like, this is so crazy. But oh. yeah, but I, I liked the process of research. I just wasn't crazy about the topic. So that told me like, all right, I really like sitting and having time to think about a problem that's open-ended and like devising a solution so yeah my like actual research experience was an actual research and like <laughs> did I did do? it 
Look, I'm just going to say it like this. I didn't know until we had our final, like, showcase of everything. Everyone else had done, like, real research. And I had basically done a literature review and some interviews. That's still research. It was, but girl. research. Yeah, it it was, like, the precursor to real research. Yeah, pre-search. (laughs) Pre-research. I had one, so like everybody does a poster, did a poster presentation. I was a McNair scholar. So everyone like had to do a poster presentation and talk about what they did. And one of my judges just told me like, this isn't research, Jeremy. And I'm like, my heart, like. You don't do that. And like, I mean, I was like 20. So it was like, okay, maybe I was 21 at that point. I was really affected. Yeah. I was really upset. No, I was 20. Anyways, so yeah, I um, I still remember that because it was really like a a, a really emotional time in my life for me to like have this realization that like the work that I was doing wasn't quote unquote rigorous enough. So that made it a little bit hard. Why should Um, the Grinch test all research? Like what, or he or she, I don't know who it was. It was a man. Yeah. Why is he the Grinch that stole research? Because why, Mm. I mean, when you're trying to attract a person into a field, you don't do it by crushing their dreams about the field. I think it helped also like help me put into perspective, like these are the things that I, I could do, like how I can improve um that wasn't part of the conversation with this person but I did talk with other people afterwards because it was just so like charged I was like I need I need to unpack this with someone and they helped me realize you know I I tried right like it's not this was not my fault you're given a faculty advisor like so somebody who's like us now mm-hmm. who's supposed to help guide you through that process and they're supposed to have other people involved in your support and if they're not there to support you you can't like i don't know i don't know what i don't know exactly right? and you're like, not like, here to train yourself about what right. you don't know and that's kind of what this episode is about right like you really don't know what you don't know about research and how to how to pursue an academic position if nobody gives you kind of like a, a window into what's going on like a little view into seeing what's going on so yeah so did that change for you like once you became a graduate student and you like your view of what a research career is or what it entailed absolutely so after that I went to like a couple of conferences so I I got another scholarship to participate in another research program I didn't really do so much research as as um in the prior thing it was more so like let us get you more uh, integrated into research community and learn about like how to pursue graduate education and all of that so the conferences helped me understand what research really was um the types of career opportunities that were available and these were um put on by the national science foundation so they have a lot of funding for graduate students and universities, colleges. Um, they can apply for them and help support students um, to do summer research, but also to attend conferences and things. So I got to to participate in those and learn about like, oh, in your first year, you should work on this, this, and this. And then your second year, you should do this, this, and that. And so I was able to have like a mental checklist of what that is and yeah so yeah definitely helped a ton yeah same for me actually except the conference experience you had i had on campus so they were you know make your personal statement this year taking the gre at this time forge these sorts of relationships Mm -hmm. you can have recommendations at this time so they definitely you know set us up for success and since it's a cohort-based program you know there were so many people i was in the 13th cohort so there's 12 cohorts of people before me that i can talk to about like what to do and what to expect and people had taken so many different kinds of paths that there was no one correct way to do academia like there were lots of people to to talk to about 
my decisions, what I wanted to do, how to apply, where to go. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, that's cool. I didn't realize Meyerhoff was focused on like PhD. Oh, yeah. They tell you, ultimately. Yes, that is the goal. And they have the most black PhDs, also the most black schools that have prepared black empty PhDs. So mm. it's definitely very life science heavy, but we have a lot of engineers and computer scientists as well that have come through the program. So yeah, it's, it's it was good because I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I was always smart. So they kind of said, come here, smart person, just walk <laughs> in this line and you will get to the PhD if you listen to us. So even the choice to like go to Michigan, like it wasn't even on my radar. Um, mm. I remember just literally being, they had a whole, their own office on campus so the scholarship program had their office happened to be in there probably making copies or doing some taking coffee who knows I was probably mooching on some office resource and (laughs) um Mr. Harmon was the person who you know was over a lot of the you know visits and things like that and he was like hey Kyla you're an engineer you want to go to Michigan there's a visit and I'm like no (laughs) I'm like it's cold I don't even know what time zone they're on I've never been Mm. that far home like I was giving him 9,000 reasons why I did not want to go and then he was finally like it's a visit if you don't want to go there you don't have to go there and I'm like huh. oh yeah you got a point there <laughs> <laughs> so needless mm. to say that was like I mean I knew I was going to grad school I just didn't know where and I kind of had my heart set on other schools like in the south because I have family in the south and I kind of mm. want to get away from home but still have like a support network so um, I wanted to go to other schools, but yeah, once I uh, saw Michigan, I fell in love and that was like the best And I went to other school visits, but they didn't mm-hmm. really measure up. Yeah. I, I went on a school visit um, when I was thinking about going elsewhere for graduate school and <laughs> my experience there was kind of traumatizing oh, and no. I was like, oh, Okay, this is why people say don't go there. So I was like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. Um, And then I ended up getting like really, really sick at the end of undergrad. Like, I thought I was dying. Oh, my gosh. It was really bad. I missed a lot of class. Like I had I had to get like accommodations for my medical issues, which changed the game for me. I had to take an incomplete in a class like. It was really it was bad. serious. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, just going through a lot of testing and a lot of inconclusive results. So it was it was really, really hard and it was like happening in October, November. Oh, and that's like my application year. time, visit time, mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. GRE time. Yeah. All the all the things were happening yeah. at once. And so um I ultimately just decided to apply to Florida because one, I knew I would get funding. <laughs> and, and then, like, two, like, I didn't want to have additional change because it was, like, I was physically having so much change. Like, I went from – I lost, like, 40 pounds in, wow. like, two months. Yeah, that's that's drastic. So, like, people who saw me were, like, you don't look well. And I was, like, well, I don't feel well. Thank you for noticing. Right. <laughs> um. So, it was one of the most challenging – I think, like, in terms of, like, physical health, that was one of the most challenging things that I've ever gone through. So I really empathize with people who, you know, live through their undergraduate experience or just their life in general with, like, disabilities because it is really challenging to be successful in, like, the fast-paced space of engineering um, when everything is, like, due all at the same time and all of that. Um and usually you don't have faculty who are accommodating and supportive. Yeah. So I didn't have that negative experience with them. They were wonderful and helped me through everything. Um, but yeah, it, it just, I was like, I'm not, I'm not going to try out something new right. when I, when I see like all the signs are bad right now. For yeah. My health. Like too much change at one mm-hmm. time would have been mm-hmm. too much for you. Yeah. So we both got into grad school. Yes, we got into grad school. And then surprise, surprise, it was not like undergrad at all. No, it was like a different world, but not in a good way. And for you, you stayed at the same place and it just turned into a different place. Oh my goodness, it was different. It was so different. And like, 
It was weird. It was kind of surreal because it's like everybody knew me. Oh, that's perfect. Everybody knew me. But um, I was in the same department, too. So it wasn't even like I had new faculty suddenly. It's like all these people knew who I was. But it was just like, why is this so different? Like, why? And at some point, I had had that conversation because I was just like, I just don't understand, like, what has changed and someone put it into this perspective for me they told me in undergrad they're like different things that faculty must do to meet like accreditation right mm-hmm. so like a lot of our programs have like different metrics and milestones that they must meet based on curriculum so it's like i need to expose the students to these concepts in this manner, it's kind of like these learning outcomes. Yeah, these learning outcomes that support this degree that they'll ultimately receive. Right. So it's like they have to cover specific content. It's like at a the graduate state. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But at the graduate level, they don't have that. Right. And so the instructors see you in a more collegial manner, like, oh, you're going to be my colleague one day. Right. I need you to be competent. (laughs) So I want to make sure that you understand these concepts and it's like a shared experience. And I think, you know, the, the main thing is like, you kind of get to this point where it's just like, Oh, they actually want me to know what they know. Like it's not a, uh, us versus them. Yeah, thing like they hold all the knowledge and I know I know nothing and they don't want me to know. Like yeah, it's, even like in undergrad, it feels like sometimes like oh, there are these classes that have teachers that are trying to trick you and trying to mm. hide the information, or they want you to do bad. And while there are people like that, grad school is completely different. Where mm-hmm. you know it's like hey, you're wasting all of our time if you're just here to trick folks. And oftentimes if people are teaching a class, it's because they're passionate about that sub area or that subject. So there's Mm -hmm. no incentive to admit a person to a program, pay for them to be there in most cases, and then decide to make it unnecessarily difficult and trip them up. Like it makes no sense. Allegedly. Allegedly. (laughs) I would say on the, on the school side, on the trainer sort of side, like there's other factors at play that definitely happen systemically that should not happen Mm -hmm. Um, but people think on the surface that they are making the best choices for the success of the students yeah I think so and and sometimes it's just like but you aren't but that's another story for another (laughs) day that is a whole another episode (laughs) but I, I think it kind of leads to this next question that you have about like what kind of person should pursue academia as a career path like like, yeah, I would say, you... yeah, oh, go ahead. <laughs> I know for me, like being a computer scientist, I think in ones and zeros, it's on or it's off. It's yes or it's no. So I had to have like, there's no maybe there's no gray area mm-hmm. and I don't work well in gray area. Well, at least I did not think that I worked well in gray areas and I did not like gray areas. But academia is one big gray area, especially with research. So you're working on a problem that may not even have a definition. You might not even know what are the appropriate questions to ask in this area. The research may be gray. You may be looking for, hey, what are the best practices for X, Y, and Z? And the answer is this, but sometimes it's that, but other times it's this, but only in this context. Like there's (laughs) very hard, it's really hard to draw these lines in the sand. And I wanted it to be so linear and I wanted it to be very concrete and it wasn't. And I needed to, for myself, just define my my own ones and zeros because even though my research itself you can't just you know you have lots of great areas you don't always know everything and like you may have a research question and you may not know how to answer it or what to measure to go about answering it so you basically I had to make the concrete parts myself to say okay Mm -hmm. in order for me to answer this question these are the things that I think are important and this is what I'm going to study and just having my ones and zeros that kind of exist in the context of a larger gray area so that's kind of how I think of academia it's a whole lot of unknown but you can 
do research, run studies, have experiments, et cetera, that help you get to some of those ones and zeros within the gray area. But I would say like a person, if you need to have like definite answers and things to be very objective, then, you know, you might want to um, think about that a little bit. <laughs> yeah, this is very computer science-y of you, Kyla. Um, <laughs> well, I'm definitely in the right major for mm-hmm, it. So that is how my brain goes. Analog and digital problem. Yes. Um. <laughs> Grad school is research is so analog and mm-hmm. I need digital. <laughs> I mean, you just make your own conversions. Exactly. So you make your own go. conversions. Okay. So, I mean, I like academia as an option because of the autonomy that you have mm-hmm. as a faculty member. Um, so, like, even as instructional faculty, I get to decide how I teach you what I teach you. Mm-hmm. And it's really freeing for somebody to be like, okay, here's the general gist of the idea of what you need to pr- like show, what you need got to talk about. Like, you got to check some of these boxes. Everything else is yours. Yep. Do with it what you please. Oh my goodness! <laughs> as as somebody who's like a creative in a technical space, it is the best the best space to be in like I can I can do anything like we watch Netflix in one of my classes because there's a really good documentary that I think points to all of the narrative of a problem that like I can encapsulate myself and I get to hear straight from the source like what's going on in this problem right and you I mean it's really kind of nice to like sit and like watch students like minds change about something because you've presented them with new information. Mm -hmm. Um, I love watching the students in my class struggle (laughs) (laughs) and like, but like to the ultimate goal of like reaching that aha moment, like, Oh my goodness, I figured it out. Like Dr. Waysom, look what we did. Like, you know, or like showing me their final, because I teach a design class. So like showing me their final design, which has taken them months to create and all this planning and like how proud the students feel of their work. Like it's so rewarding. Yeah. Super rewarding work. So I, I love it so much. Yeah, I would definitely recommend it, even though I had to have my like, own reckoning with myself of like, okay, how much of this gray area can I handle? It's definitely very, very freeing. Like you can't tell me how to teach what I teach. There's so much liberty, but I know it's not like that in other majors too. So again, we're in a field that allows us to do that, but I also have Mm -hmm. a colleague who's, you know, Dean, not Dean, but their department chair has to sign off on their syllabus, what books they use. Mm -hmm. For me, they're like, nobody really is the expert to tell me what book to use. So I am the expert in what is the book we need to use, or do we even use book because oftentimes I don't I have readings from all over the place because computing is such a dynamic field that any book you write is going to be outdated very quickly so I prefer for us to have you know some seminal papers but then also be on the know like on what's up to date in our area Um, and I think it also uh, appeals to people who like to do what they want to do (laughs) (laughs) autonomy yeah it's definitely the autonomy and I love that you pulled out the creative side of it too because the way that you people wouldn't think of like computing tech stem as like creative degrees you know but the way that you solve the problem takes a lot of creativity sometimes Mm -hmm. you can you know solve a problem in a way that no one else thought of to solve it but if you write a paper and convince other people that it's important or write a grant to say hey I think this is a way to attack this problem you know people it's really cool when you see people go huh I didn't think about that Mm -hmm. it's like yes because I'm creative and I came up with something else and it's important to have people who look like us in these fields because we come from a whole different background a whole different lens and we attack problems in different ways and we have just novel ideas for problem solving that may not necessarily even be part of the solution if we're not included if we're not there 
I mean, also, we get to travel a lot. <laughs> oh, yeah. A whole lot. Like, I'm platinum on American Airlines mostly oh, okay. because okay. of um, because of being a faculty member, because we go to conferences, we go to symposia, we go to, you know, we present our work, we go to National Science Foundation, we go everywhere. I've gone out of the country at least three times because of research. Like, mm -hmm. I've never gone out of the country because I went to Hawaii for the first time because of research. Like, and I'm just thinking, like, still wow. salty <laughs> but it's like people don't think oh the life of a professor it's glamorous traveling but it, it kind of is it could be <laughs> it, it, it could really be. can be it really depends a lot on like where you end up mm -hmm. and like the type of support that you have so not all academic positions are the same the types of resources that you have available to you vary by the type of institution you're at like we're at a large public institution that's a research one institution. So we're at the top tier of research production. Um, we get a lot of money and we can use that money to promote the work that we do. Yep. Uh, and that, that ultimately leads to us traveling a lot more than some other people. Yeah. It's also a preference thing. Like we like traveling, Kyla. Yeah, we <laughs> definitely like traveling. <laughs> uh, but there are, I have colleagues who like, they never go anywhere. And that's a choice that they make. Yeah. And they can be part of the community another way. So, mm -hmm. you know, you don't have to travel, but you do get a lot of opportunities to. Yeah. to travel. Um, now, I feel like having gone through a pandemic, there's a lot more evidence that you can be just as effective virtually. So mm -hmm. I do see some of the travel calming down a bit, but some people, we need personal interaction. Like there's some conversations that would not have, yeah, me too. Jamie's, Jamie's <laughs> putting her hand up. <laughs> I definitely need that interaction as well. So I feel like it's going to be a situation where the introverts stay home and the extroverts go to the conferences and talk <laughs> like, to each, see other. each other. Yeah. Yeah. Because we need each other. It's kind of hard on Zoom to be like, hey, join me in this breakout room. I want to tell you something I'm going through. Right. Versus just pulling somebody to the side to say, hey, how, even just checking in on people or so, introducing them to my toddler. Exactly. Like, yeah. I've known you for years and like, you need to meet this human that I created because she's amazing. Like Amara's going to think we all grow. We all people come from square boxes. <laughs> yeah. Like she's a zoom baby. Y'all. Yes, so, um, yeah, like I, I'm really excited. She's going to go with me to a conference in June. Oh, um, and then like my parents are going to come and after we're going to go on an adventure to some national parks because you're all about I, the national. Parks. That's what I like to do with my family. Um, we're trying to check off North Dakota, South Dakota, 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 <laughs> Nebraska, and Iowa. Are you trying to do like all 50 states? That's what my mom wants to do. Okay. And since she's on that mission, so am I. So you're there too. Mm -hmm. I love it. Mm -hmm. I only have 13 left, just in case you're wondering. <laughs> what do you know offhand? Which uh, Oh, I have a list. I can pull 13? it up. Okay. I want to know. I mean, obviously North Dakota, South Dakota, right. Dakota, Nebraska, um, Iowa, but also um let's see alaska mm -hmm. arkansas delaware i'm really surprised i haven't really? been to delaware i know i feel I, like you have and just didn't know it i might have like driven delaware is like 15 minutes long like i know he, yeah it's possible i don't know um so kansas new mexico like mm -hmm. you would think i've been to new mexico too but yeah. no um i haven't been to oklahoma which is weird because my family's from Mississippi. So um, like, it's kind of right there, but we never went. Um, my mom's been, but I haven't gone. Rhode Island. I feel um, like that's a very strategic place. Like you go yeah. there. Um, Vermont, same thing. Really? Like, you you go, go to, to Vermont. Jerry's factory and a Vermont I just want factory. to, I just want to go to go skiing Ooh. and snowboarding. Cause go during that time of year then. I'm in, I'm an outdoorsy person in case y'all listening or like, confused and west virginia because i haven't been to west virginia there's no reason to go to west virginia. There's, there's not really there's no reason. i, I want to go though and then yeah. give it a, a fair shot yeah just, that's it just dip your toe over the border and come back <laughs> and maybe i'll go to like a distillery or something like that that's true yeah hmm. i need to look at my list i definitely want to do all the states but then after a while i feel like everything starts to look the same it doesn't it does not look the same. I mean, certain regions start to look the same where it's like, okay, this is the Northwest. Fields. This More is fields. the Southwest, you know. 
deserts. Yeah, desert, <laughs> cacti. I'm like, is this Vegas? Is this Arizona? Snakes. Is this Texas? <laughs> it's all the same place. No, you're wrong about that. Okay. <laughs> you were wrong. Anyways, um, what else? I think the other part about academia that's really awesome is that you get to meet a lot of different people. Yeah. Like from all walks of life. So you know, obviously you're meeting students from all over the world, faculty from all over the world on your campus, but also you could potentially work with really famous people, mm-hmm. whether that's like academic famous or like famous famous, celebrity famous. Um a combination. Christina met Common doing artificial intelligence work. Right. Yeah. Jamaica open for Michelle Obama. Right. <laughs> We're going yeah. like there's opportunities. Famous, famous. famous um famous. yeah, so there's like look at this. My brother's calling. <laughs> <laughs> my brother is semi famous. Anyway, so um yeah, I think there are a lot of really cool opportunities that you get being an academic that may not come to you working in a company and like grinding doing real real legit work um making huge strides you know but it's just there's something about being in academia that's different and i think there's also something that's right in front of our faces this podcast like we just decided, hey, you know, this is going to be a lovely intervention for Black women in this field. And people said, hey, y'all got PhDs. I trust you. Here's some money. Do it. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't think they would have done this if we weren't in academia, weren't in this space, did not have PhDs. So people tend to think of you as like the expert on stuff. And even if you don't think you are the expert, just pretend mm-hmm. like you are. You can pretend like you are. Read I'm going to tell y'all right now, I did not pretend that I was. I was very straightforward <laughs> with I am not a computer scientist. Oh, yeah. And y'all want me to talk about being a black woman in computer science. But that's incorrect. the thing. You've been in the community so much. Like, Girl, you know but the still, issues. Like, and a lot of the issues are similar. In they are. So they it's are. not like you're a stranger to this world. I know, but I'm just saying, like, you, you made it seem like, oh, they thought I was an expert. They did think I was an expert. And yeah. I was like. If you but carry yourself like an expert, people will assume you to be mm. competent. So it's all about fake it till you make it, I feel like, is academia. That's real. That yeah. is really real. Um, I think the only thing that we haven't really talked about is that, like, just like in the workforce, like, if you go work for a major tech company or a small startup or whatever, there's politics. Oh, Yeah. There's lots of politics, but that's everywhere, though. And I think I, that's what I said. I think it's everywhere. Yeah. But there's some special type of nonsense that happens. Yeah. And that also, in combination with the fact that academia is kind of subjective, like the mm-hmm. way that you progress is based on the opinions of others. So then those mm-hmm. politics kind of weigh into other people's opinions. And you're like, okay, you know, in order to get a paper published, it's if the reviewers, a subset of reviewers that you have no idea who they are, if they think it's worthy for tenure, mm-hmm. your department has to vote on it. Your colleagues at the college level and the university level have to vote on it. And, you know, if they had a bad morning that morning, they might say no. Like, it's so subjective. Right. Mm-hmm. And then throw politics into the mix and it's crazy. Mm. Um, I personally love political scenarios within the confines of like universities and i live for the drama that is a faculty meeting like give an example (laughs) (laughs) no i'm not getting in trouble example okay you don't have to name names i just like my favorite thing when I was in computer science, because this is a very unique to computer science thing. Like I've talked to many, many people at many different types of universities, computer science department meetings, like of their faculty are always filled with drama. Y'all want to see real housewives <laughs> level drama at a university, go to the computer science department's faculty meeting. They are oh. usually open and you can sit in and listen. Chav, I've watched... <laughs> Somebody who never comes to a faculty meeting show up to air their grievances while we were all just kind of held hostage. Right. And thankfully, there's food there. So I'm sitting there just 
eating my I'm just gonna pretend might as well it was be chips popcorn. and salsa. Right. Like, yes. <laughs> might as well have been popcorn, just like, oh, okay. <laughs> this is where we're headed. Right. And then just watching the department chair just pretend like nothing is happening. Like yep. nothing unaffected, like straight unaffected. face. And then just acknowledge what was said and then move on. Like it was nothing. It's like you said words. You're angry about things. Moving on. The next right. <laughs> <laughs> so let's keep going with the agenda. It is like, right. what just happened. I love it. I love it because in my mind, there's an internal dialogue that's happening. Like yeah. there's no words happening, but I, I feel the words happening, you know? So. And I feel like in computer science departments, and it, I found this also in other departments, they have their own version of this argument. It's mm. the people who are the theorists versus like the applied. And it's always like, oh, if you do work that has too much of a human component or an application component, you're not seen as credible or mm. as rigorous as the people who have highly theoretical work with mm. all of these proofs and theorems and equations and numbers. And there's room for everybody. Everybody is necessary. But for mm. some reason, they stay hating on the folks who do applied slash human-faced, uh, human-facing research. And I feel like it's there this knuck-if-you-buck mentality because often <laughs> Sometimes a lot of the money goes towards the application because, mm -hmm. you know, agencies want to know, okay, I'm going to give you this money. What is the outcome? And a lot of times mm. we're a lot closer to what that outcome is on the side that's more human facing. But then theoretical, they have to draw so many different, well, if this algorithm is correct, then it can apply to this thing that goes into this. Girl, you going to upset some people. So and I'm just be, And they can stay mad. <laughs> Yes, anyway, this is what I'm talking about right here. Like, it's, you're sitting there and you're just like, are they really like? It's a small detail, like one word yeah. in a line it's of a, a document, and it's like, y'all have spent thirty minutes of my life right on a word on and versus or <laughs> in a document, something like and versus or. So there's and that. There's the that letter happening. of the law. <laughs> like they are very much to the letter of the law and situations get sensationalized. Um, I go over logical fallacies with my students. So it's wonderful when like, oh, if we let this happen, then five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten will happen. I'm like, nope, that's called slippery slope. And that is a logical fallacy. This does not entail in turn lead to this. So it, it's really cool. Just I should just have like a bingo board with the logical fallacies yeah. that happen and just check them off. And then the time. other part is like, you know, you had your friends in the department. And so y'all just lock eyes. Mm -hmm. Or we text them under the table like, girl, why'd she say that? What's, she what's, what's understood? <laughs> <laughs> Does not need to be said. So we just, so yep. we're there. You just like us um, and just shake your hands sometimes. And I sit next to one of the admins a lot and she is so funny. And we <laughs> look at each other and we're just like, she's like, now why in the world? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so speaking of like all of that, like there are a lot of different personalities that you run into. Oh, yes. In academic spaces. So what do you think makes a good academic Ooh. so we talked about like you know what academia is like so i think a good academic is somebody who can counteract a lot of the stuff that happens so i think resilience is definitely a huge huge factor like you get a lot of no's a ton of no's i almost think of it like auditioning in hollywood where you might get a hundred no's before you get that yes mm -hmm. but you can't let all the no's discourage you from the yes take that turd shine it off and <laughs> submit it again <laughs> Shut it up and submit again. Like there's people who, you know, like, oh, you might see they get a ton of grants, a lot of things. And it's like, you have no idea how many iterations that that proposal or that paper went through with people in the field saying, no, change this, no, do this. But guess what? That no is actually a a yes if you change these things it would yeah. be a lot better if these things had been addressed so mm -hmm. don't take a no is not final in academia so somebody who has a lot of resilience to like stand up to a lot of that yeah I think a lot of people feel like most people who are like faculty are arrogant mm. and really like 
self-centered like they only care about themselves and their work is the most important work and nobody else's work is important i mean some people um, <laughs> and yeah i mean but there are people like that everywhere in everything that you do so i i don't think that you have to have that i mean i'm not that person i'm probably really terrible at like <laughs> talking about myself um i just don't i don't like to do it like i don't think that i'm special i'm not special i mean nobody's special did y'all watch inventing anna (laughs) (laughs) i am not special (laughs) okay so i just i think it's important that like people hear that like that there are people who feel like you know i'm just doing work that i love and i'm passionate about and somebody's paying me to do that that's where i'm at yeah like and i feel like sometimes the people who you hear the most talk about their work they're the loudest but the people who make the most impact are the quietest about mm -hmm. their work so you definitely like have to sell yourself even though it's like cringe like i'm like oh Mm -hmm. here she go again talking about something else but do it because People need to know what you're doing. People need to know what you're up to because, again, academia is so subjective. Like, it's the hardest thing to do. It's so hard to talk about especially being black. You come up like you ain't cute. You know what you doing? Like, like, you ain't special. You know, we come up sometimes with this feeling of like, you know, make yourself smaller in this situation. Mm -hmm. But it's exactly the opposite. You need to make yourself bigger in situations. And making yourself bigger is not the same as being arrogant. You can make Mm -hmm. what you do known without having like a haughty attitude about it. Like I walk on water, you know, all of that. Like nobody walks on water around here. So, you know, just balancing that line is definitely Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, the people who I admire the most are people who don't talk about themselves, like don't promote themselves like that. Like I think about Juan Mm -hmm. and like (laughs) you ask Juan like about him. Yeah. He's not not, like, he doesn't feel like he's LeBron James in computer science. Like he doesn't feel that way, but like. I call him the Harriet Tubman of computer science. Okay. Yeah. I mean. Very important person of computer science. Level of famous. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, it's like. You'll never hear him talk about himself unless you make him really mad. (laughs) Do they know who I am? Which is very hard to do. Yes. And I've tried, but (laughs) like I've only heard him talk about himself like that one time. And I've known him, whoa, for like seven years now. Yeah. No, that's serious. That is serious. I didn't realize it had been that long. That's a long time. Um, what else? Uh, humility, I think, mm. is also it, but not so not so humble that you don't brag about yourself, but humble enough to admit when you don't know something, or if someone's better at you than something at mm. something than putting them on your team, delegating things to them. Like I'm the first to be like, I was in a project meeting, like, hey guys, I don't know how to take notes and be in a meeting at the same time and talk. So can someone else do this? And like, I could have just been sweating it out because I can't type and talk at the same time. It's just distracting to me. But if I had never said something like that, then I wouldn't have gotten the help. And someone's like, oh yeah, I can take notes. I don't mind. I'm not really, I'm just here to listen. But, you know, talking about what you're deficient at and not being afraid to go to your colleagues when you need help with things like for mm-hmm. me I was trying to get the career award and I got it on my third try and the the thing that made it different I talked to one of my coworkers who she got it on her first try and I'm like what is your process what <laughs> do you do and mm-hmm. she sat down we you know had about maybe two or three hours in the library on the dry erase board and she helped me to think through the problems and literally yeah. the way I was presenting what I was doing was backwards you know I was giving oh. the specific and not the broad and she's like no 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 start with the broad and then get yeah. into the specifics and you know just the way that I thought about the problem or the way I thought about the way I was presenting my work was fundamentally confusing so but also if I could have been like well I'll just I'll try the third time I'll just do my own thing you know I had to be like excuse me I'm bad at this <laughs> can you help? you're good at this. and that's and can that's huge <laughs> yeah no I think rec- being able to recognize your strengths and your weaknesses yeah it's an invaluable life skill that you can't 
it's a trial by fire yes. process that i think so like yes. it's you don't know what your strengths and weaknesses are until you're put in a situation where you have to figure them out and you have to be um, so self-aware like self-awareness is so big yeah and i think college helps prepare you for that right like you start figuring out like oh this is rubbing me the wrong way like i just don't need to do this ever again (laughs) I can't work in this type of environment or like I know the type of people that I can't collaborate with Mm -hmm. because I've been on this team in this group project and like the way they were handling stuff just made me not even want to contribute so like here that is that is a self-awareness thing so yeah I think people who are self-aware and willing to admit like these are my deficits. Like these are places where I need to grow. And these are places where I'm really strong and I can help support something. Like I think that's an invaluable life skill that we should all figure out. And it would make the world a better place if we were able to say like, no, I don't know how to do that. Yep. (laughs) Or I'm not the right person for that. Exactly. Even though it's going to like, it could have made me a lot of money. Like, or I can figure out how to do that, but I don't want to. (laughs) (laughs) That too. Like, no, I'm just not interested. And I would even say too, in tandem with like, no, being very self-aware, also knowing exactly what tasks require you to do them versus someone else. Because that's not something that they gonna have like coming in. That's that's the thing. Yeah, I'm saying, but just being aware of that, like, just Mm -hmm. know. Like, I used to ask myself, does it like when people ask me to do things, I'm like, could anyone besides me do this and achieve their objective? And if the answer is yes, oftentimes be like, hey, I don't have time for this, but you can contact such and such. Mm -hmm. And then even like going into like delegation of things these are people who are in higher roles like if you're a grad student and you have undergrads that work with you if you're faculty or any of those sorts of things like being able to articulate what you do to another person to do it so you can be more effective at the things that actually matter so you're not spending time doing stuff that i mean not saying it doesn't matter but Mm -hmm. you have other things that are higher priorities that you need to spend your brain cycles on versus something that's a lot lower or like paperwork or Mm -hmm. there's there's a lot that comes at you and you can't treat everything with the same priority so being able to like really prioritize what is going to move the needle for your career and everything is at the bottom seeing who else can do it for example I do not clean my house my house is always really nice looking guess what because my per hour rate is a whole lot more than the house cleaner that we hire and i'd rather have somebody come in and do it because what does not make sense to have a computer scientist to clean a house that's mm-hmm. not my specialization someone else can do it some people clean in therapy and that's how they you know they can decompress but for me kyla does not have a toddler either <laughs> <laughs> I, don't have, I am the toddler in the house <laughs> no you're not no, i you're am not. the toddler so chaotic energy lives here okay (laughs) it does but also like it does not make sense to me at least to spend four hours cleaning when i could have spent four hours writing a proposal or writing a grant Mm. and it could have or or just resting or resting investing Mm. in myself and resting or watching netflix or something that's going to recharge my battery so you know being able to take realize what you need to do versus what you can outsource to other people i love it I feel like those are all good things. And I think like the series could go real deep oh, about yeah. like just one of those topics. Um, I'm sorry, my, my foot was itchy. I had to scratch it. <laughs> I hope this stays in. <laughs> it's real life, man. It's real life. It's a, it's a, it's been a long day. We're like at the end of, the week yeah. in that late afternoon. So anyways, I am looking forward to the next one of these. Yeah. And also some more episodes coming out soon. We've just confirmed a bunch of new guests. Yeah, so we're going to be so excited about the people we have. I'm excited. I'm happy they say yes. Yeah. So we just got them on the I calendar am, before they can I'm change their mind. So happy. Cause yeah. 
Child, who knew? Yes. So on the next episode that's in this series, we're going to talk about entering graduate school and some of the topics are uh, differences between undergrad and grad training, the preconditions for a grad education, questions you should ask, finances, how to pick the right grad school, what to specialize mm. in, and knowing if you've made the right career choice. So we're going to touch on a lot of those topics. So this is a series you're definitely going to want to be on the lookout for in addition to all of our normal episodes, our typical episodes with our guests. Mm. Young, gifted, and black academic. (laughs) (laughs) I'm excited. So we'll see where this takes us. As always, you can find us on our website, modernfigurespodcast.com. Send your questions to ask us at modernfigurespodcast.com. And follow us on Twitter. Kyla is at Dr. Underscore Kyla, and I am at Jeremy Waysom. Visit modernfiguresinc.com to learn more about our nonprofit organization aimed at promoting and engaging with women and girls interested in science, technology, engineering, mathematics, and of course, computing. Until next time, stay moisturized, hydrated, mind your business, and protect your peace.